Welcome to the Larry Lakers Dribbling Chit Chat. It's time to talk about the fact that the Lakers lost a game there to the Nuggets, 119-107. We broadcast the top 10 takeaways, and a lot of you listeners have come in and said, I want to expand on those top 10s. The first one is that the Nuggets are for real. Who's your daddy? The, the top takeaway. There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of preseason, but it turns out that the preseason has started the same way as the last season. The gap between the Lakers and the Nuggets, the Lakers lost those playoffs at Western Conference Finals 4-0. There were some close games, but they did not lose a game, and the Nuggets did not look like losing this game despite some close moments. The Nuggets are for real. Who's your daddy? A lot of banter about that. When Coach Michael Malone was chanted that or said he was the Lakers' daddy at the uh, presentation of the Denver Nuggets uh, finals parade for winning that and a fair bit of chant and a fair bit of banter. I think he thought that uh, LeBron considering retirement uh, and what do you do next at his age was a little bit of a distraction from how well his team, the Denver Nuggets, did, and uh, perhaps deservedly so, but had plenty of media revving up the chat between them and uh, a little bit of spite, perhaps, but they were pretty polite leading into this game. But what's really important is that the Nuggets are for real. They look like the team that deserved to win the championship, and it's no fluke. They were bigger, stronger, got to their spot better than the Lakers, Every time they were pushed, a little bit like a wrestler in those classic wrestling matches that is hard to pin. Every time it looked like the Lakers had him pinned, a shoulder got off the floor. They found a burst of energy like the wrestler and they hit another three or they hit a long two or they found a pass. Jokic looked like he couldn't score again, just as AD couldn't in the third quarter. And then late in the third quarter, Jokic managed to find a basket, a pass, a little play, a long three-pointer, something where he taps the ball up almost like an old dad playing in the playground, taps it up to himself volleyball style. The Nuggets, they're for real. The Lakers, it's their job to make up the distance. Let's look at number two. Number two takeaway, the Lakers are a ways away. We talked about that. Denver. They're like the classic wrestler. We've mentioned that. Number three, was the 18-point gap a bad sign? Well, and was it a true sign of the gap between the teams? It seemed a bit unfair. The Lakers, they fought back from that late first quarter, second quarter gap, and they were lucky in that they made little runs at the end of each quarter. Now, were they luck? Or were they a good sign in that this team has got a little bit of fight? Second half, when we got the starters back on, there was a bit of spark about them and a little bit of a run. But every time there was a run, the Denver Nuggets seemed to have the answers. So the Lakers have got to go back and look a bit deeper at what we're up to. And uh, well done. That's uh, too good. we got to tip our hats to the Denver Nuggets. They deserve that recognition. Maybe we can take some hope from the fact that were some little runs late each quarter, some little signs that the Lakers, if they could have hit a few shots, uh, maybe they could have uh, really taken this game uh, back to maybe a couple of points either way and turn it into a thriller. But to Denver's credit, that didn't happen. Now, number five in our takeaways was 
uh, one about the, why, a question of really why was the only player strong enough to consistently get to, the ball to the rack? The oldest player in the game. He looked so good at times. He was played sparingly, and he uh, sort of carried on after the game. That that's up to the coaching staff. I trust them. I trust them. I thought it was a pretty good plan. Uh, maybe a few little moments down there at the end. He came off in the fourth quarter, having the game got back to four, and then by the time he got back on, it's ten or twelve, and it never changed. LeBron uh, was very good. Uh, he was a positive on the real plus minus. Um, look better from long drives and uh, smooth. He didn't bowl as many people over. He looked a little bit like Giannis. He's sort of too big, too strong, and a really big Giannis-type last step from LeBron that we haven't always seen. And uh, then, though, instead of bowling people over, knocking them down like a an out-of-control freight train at the basket, he uh, had some finesse at the basket, LeBron, despite these big steps. And under pressure, it looked like he had a player hanging off each arm at times, but he still got up there, LeBron. He looks good, and uh, the Lakers need him, uh, but we've got to ask the question, why is the strongest person or the person who looks like they can actually get to the hoop against a bigger, strong opponent? They're big across the board. They're big at guard. They're big at small forward, big at power forward, and big at centre. So it's hard to get all the way to the hoop. And But LeBron made it look like it was possible consistently. So where are these younger guys? Where is Rui Hachimura? Where is AD who did it at times? Rui looked like he tried to do it but couldn't quite finish these layups, these just a little bit longer when he had to let the ball go, bouncing off the backboard and, and the ring a slightly longer release on a layup or, or a short putback, and he missed it so many times. We'll have a look at his figures in a moment, but where were the other people to step up as bigs and bump and get the ball to the hoop? The uh, Rui Hachimura, who got the pay rise, the players like... Uh, Jackson Hayes, where was he getting the ball to the rack? Uh, he tried a little bit, but he's a little bit light there. Some positive signs early for uh, Christian Wood, but he wasn't quite the answer either. He lacked the size to get in against this big, big uh, Denver team, which uh, puts a few questions there for the Lakers as to what's going next. Will someone rake up Rui Hachimura was one of the questions from one of our listeners as a key takeaway and tell him that he is allowed to play hard, Rui. He's done a lot of work. He looks He's a physically strong-looking player. He looks like he could be LeBron's sort of weight and size out there and he could maybe fill the hole for him for a little while, but he did not finish. He tried to get stronger, but just like that control and finish at the end, got close, that's a credit, got in to do three, four, five feet from the basket, but just didn't, there was just enough attention on him that he couldn't finish those plays, whereas today LeBron could. Not all season could he, there was a couple of times those close plays he didn't finish and he was looking a little bit older LeBron, but not last night, first game of the season, he was looking good. The younger Rui, he was the one who looked strong, Got couldn't quite get there, as we said, one, two, three, four, five feet missing, as were other players. The one who could get there was the oldest man in the NBA. Why is that the case? 
Will the Lakers ever replace Markeith Morris from the championship team or the role of Markeith Morris? Now, Markeith Morris played the power forward role, backup power forward role, really, because LeBron's on there. So he could come off the bench. You could start him if you needed to. He could hit a three. But his weight, the weight and height at about 6'9", 6'10", almost, Markeith Morris there, he could hold his own and hold off an opposition player. And a couple of times there, although he's been a little bit of trouble in the news there, but we probably can't comment on any legal matters, but Dwight Howard. So not just you need a power forward against this Denver Nuggets team, you need a power centre. And they've never really replaced the power forward, never really replaced the power centre role. We haven't had a big enough, a strong centre where AD could go and play small forward out there ever since Dwight, despite whatever his current troubles are. And we haven't had that power guard the way we did Contavious Cornwall Pope or did Rob uh, Palinka try and replace those this year for the first time in a long time but did he try and do so on the cheap one of our uh, listeners there has asked which is Tim Hugs at Destination Anywhere has asked the question if they have got power players it looks to him like Rob Palinka's tried to do so on the cheap. If you have a look at Jackson Hayes on a league minimum, he's gone and got Gabe Vincent um, to sort of be a stockier, stronger replacement at point of attack defence than uh, Dennis Schroeder, the slender, slimline Dennis Schroeder, very sleek player, but Gabe Vincent a little stockier and a little quicker maybe on his three-point shot release, maybe a, a stronger defense defender. Jalen Hood-Shafino, is he that sort of uh, potentially physical, despite being a, a rookie, he looks physically strong enough to play bigger guards, be a defender, be a rebounding guard. But so far, uh, we need to find out if he can shoot, and uh, time will tell in the Lakers system. If Jalen Hood-Shafino can develop a jump shot, is he another cheap uh, version of Rob Palinka trying to find a power guard, a power forward, and, of course, a power centre in Jackson Hayes, maybe Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura. Does he think, though, alternatively, uh, Sean and Abby Takeaway asks, is he trying to do, fix all of these positions, all these three positions, by a committee of six? And uh, just because you've got six cheaper players doesn't mean, says Sean, that you're better necessarily than three uh, more expensive or three good players, which is an interesting point there uh, that he might prefer to have the three established. They look pretty skinny there in the uh, bench department, but they're five, six, almost six and a half to seven players that Denver used uh, certainly all look better than the Lakers' eight or nine candidates uh, today. So maybe having concentrated that power and then filling your bench maybe the way to go for future teams. Phoenix look like they're trying to get those stars and then fill the bench uh, with the lesser players. If you can get that five or six perhaps in this league. Now number eight. Come back Contavious Caldwell Pope. Wouldn't that be beautiful? They really never replaced him, as we mentioned, in terms of replacing power forward 
uh, Markeith Morris. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope didn't he look good last night? We'll talk about it when we go through the stats. But what a great player he was with the Lakers. He's looking good there last night with Denver. A couple of times when they had him down on the shot clock or they were spinning the ball around, they looked a bit lost. Contavious Caldwell Pope hit the three, but not only did they hit the three, a couple of times he tapped the ball ahead, uh, started some fast breaks, started some lobs. He looked dangerous. He defended well, of course, and he looked like a player a couple of times when they trouble that he took a mid-range jumper that wasn't um, off the run, which wasn't always his go at the Lakers. It's not always his go there, but last night he hit them, Contavious Caldwell Pope, just what you want, a former Laker uh, playing well when he plays the Lakers and reminding him that that night was the night they received their championship rings and the Lakers weren't going to be spoiling it. Contavious Caldwell Pope in front of his, well, on his old team, the Lakers. What to make of AD's 0.2 second half is another question there from uh, Jai the Retro Shoe Guy. Look, Jai, what to make of it? Um, look, he, he did do some drives in the first half where he bumped a little bit against uh, in slight motion there, uh, Jokic, but didn't get the calls. So I think uh, these people, the media, absolutely scolded him for these zero points in the second half. But he might have been put off a bit by driving in there, getting bumped and not quite getting the calls. He probably needs to get over that and, and get back to work and go ahead. But I think he thought he was drawing the defence, he said, and kicking out. He did name players who missed, which I thought was a bit rich. Um, naming the players, it looked a bit like he throwing them under the bus. Was he AD? That might be another question for our listeners to think about. But uh, another one of our, uh, he did do pretty well in terms of rebounds. His rebounds were better the second half, uh, but zero points. He needs to find some way. I think us as amateurs can go through a quarter or a half where we think, gee, we didn't do too well there, but this guy's a superstar and they've got to get him involved as well. They're supposed to be championship coaches, championship teammates. They've got to work with such a championship calibre player as AD. Who uh, Tedo from Sacramento. Thanks for the question, Ted. He's got the question, why is an AD the best passing big man? We hear all about the great uh, Nikola Jokic being the best passing big man in the league. Well, AD's a guy that grew up playing point guard until he had a growth spurt. So why isn't this guy a great passer? Well, I think when he's facing the basket and he's still in triple threat, he's not a bad passer. I think one of the problems there, though, Teddo, is that once he starts in his motion, he gets a bit of a spin, he's a bit lighter, he wants to finish strong, he's anticipating the bump, and then once he starts to move, I don't think his vision's quite as good as he starts uh, his ISO move or his move to, to an attacking play. So AD, Teddo, yes, he did grow up as a point guard, but there seems to be something once he starts his back-to-the-basket move or a spin or playing to contact. He seems to be uh, a little less of a passer than uh, players like Nikola Jokic, who possibly is the greatest big man. AD, could he be a better passer? Yeah, good question, Teddo. For a former point guard, he probably could be. 
Here's a question we've got out there today. We put on a short, go and see that short if you can, on the uh, YouTube. And it's a great question here from uh, one of our listeners there in uh, the Laguna area of Elk Grove, and that is D Dodds of Long Lived Laguna. Was Cam Reddish's late game on the ball defence a way to save Austin Reeves getting roasted? Or was this just a one-off reddish bit of potential that we've seen over the years? Well, D Dodds, we have seen flashes in the past from reddish, but it was interesting and it was forced by the situation. Some interesting coaching there from Darwin Ham uh, when we got Cam Reddish on. For a taller guy, I thought he was probably going to put Gabe Vincent on the point of attack, but just the way they moved the ball around, it ended up that Cam Reddish was often the on-ball defender on Jamal Murray, and he did pretty well. And it made you, and they came back in the game, got it back to win four, and that's when the subs came on, and uh, Austin Reeves came back on. But to be fair, uh, the great. Um, LeBron James was on, so maybe Cam Reddish was the beneficiary of the combination he was on with, and LeBron came off and Austin came on, which gave him a challenging combination, but uh, Austin did get ISO'd a couple of times there uh, by all of the great uh, players there. He was ISO'd there against uh, Jogic. He was ISO'd by Murray. He was ISO'd and taken to the basket again there by uh, Aaron Gordon in the uh, World Cup saying that he thought in the NBA, uh, even though teams were doing that in the FIBA World Cup to him, isolating him down low, low post, uh, bump, bump, bump. He thought the uh, rules and um, the style, they were four or five seconds slower plays. These were a bit quicker last night, but and came off a couple of screens, whereas they were very isolated, low posts, uh, teams like Lithuania backed him down and he said he thought by that stage in the NBA the defence had come across and uh, they know each other's game a little better in the NBA. And rules like the Charles Barkley rule, you can't back your player down for five seconds there. He thought they could work with that in the NBA. Uh, but last night he did, uh, they did uh, isolate him a couple of times against each of their bigger players, and he did get taken to the basket. He always seems to fight back. He seems to maybe dig down and get a, a little steal and surprise them in the, the next trip down or a dunk or something or a three just to look like he's a feisty player. You like that, that he's willing to hit back, but maybe someone like Cam Reddish against teams like this. This is a team that is just that big, bigger across the board. We said it, big guard, big shooting guard, big small forward, bigger big forward, and bigger center. This is a team that is just that little bit bigger, and we saw that people across the board, except for LeBron, struggled to consistently get the ball to the rack. So Cam Reddish might be something for the times we need a bigger defender. I would have thought he'd be a wing defender, but last night to see him as an on-the-ball defender uh, was very interesting play from Coach Darwin Ham. So, and it is one that might be interesting for the future. Where to next for the Lakers? Well, it looks like we've got a bit of work to do. We need to maybe work those big players. We need to find a way to step up to these bigger teams. Uh, 
the stats weren't too bad in terms of a couple of areas. Let's have a look at them now. Rebounds, you would have thought, despite that bigger team, we were in big trouble. Well, guess what? The Lakers out-rebounded them 44-42, so pretty good there. Turnovers, you'd think, wow, we must have had a poor game turnovers, but we were the same at 12 turnovers or uh, three-pointers. That would have made a difference. Uh, we shot below the league average there. They shot 41 and uh, 41.2, and we shot the Lakers 34.5. The field goals, they were 52, and we were a bit below league at 45.6. So the Lakers uh, pretty close halfway through the first quarter, but then they got away from us, held it out there at that uh, big margin towards the second quarter, start of the second quarter as it got out towards 18, got it back to 12-ish, and then those little runs uh, where we'd get like a 6-0 run and up to a 9-0 run uh, late in at the end of each quarter, the second quarter there and the third quarter. So after a bad first half, the Lakers uh, had a slightly better second and third quarter. Started the fourth quarter well and you thought, hello, could this be the time? But... Um, Took LeBron off, made a few subs. The gap got back out to 10 or 12 pretty quickly. And that uh, 6-0, 9-0 run that was at the end of the second and third quarter was not there for the fourth quarter. For the Lakers, the starters, uh, let's have a little analysis of uh, Anthony Davis there. Uh, 6 of 17 shooting, 1 or 2 from 3. The good news was 100% of his 3 throws while everyone's worried about him, but he only got 4. So he needed to get to the basket, keep attacking the basket in that third and fourth quarter, but he said he thought it was better to draw and kick. I'm not sure if he wasn't getting the calls from that first half, whether that affected that a bit, but he was a minus 17 on the real plus minus. Coincidentally, got 17 points. So he got 17 points, but he was minus 17 uh, on the real plus. Uh, Torian Prince, 30 minutes, he looked good. He, looked, uh, he hit a couple of timely threes, which was something the Lakers have needed for a long time. A player who's a bit taller, a taller wing, can hit a three, uh, four of six on the three-point throws, two or two from three throws. So another player who doesn't necessarily get to the ring a lot, but we knew that uh, when uh, hiring substitution player that he is. Every team he's been a player is just somewhere between a bench player and a starter, good quality player particularly for the price the uh, Lakers were able to get Torian Prince. LeBron, the ageless one, played well, and uh, I have no qualms or no problems with the time management sort of program that they had. He looked fresh, and uh, it's early days. Uh, I thought uh, it better to keep him on that reduced time and see how we go as the oldest player in the league, as good as he looked, slashing to the basket. LeBron, 10 of 16, 1 of 4 from 3. Don't fall in love with that 3. Uh, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, so and a plus 7 in the positives there, 21 points. So LeBron making a difference across the board when he was on there. I guess he's such a threat in terms of assists as well. Players had to play him, honestly. Uh, 4 of 12 there, D'Angelo Russell, Again, a, a quiet game, which he's had and been criticised for having against the Denver Nuggets, but two or five from three and um, plus one on the real plus minus, seven assists. We talked about that during their preseason. Is this a guy who could improve his game by 
having some contribution through assists or something like that when his uh, three-pointer isn't dropping or his field goals, four or 12, not the greatest field goals. Not too bad from the three, but his mid-range was pretty good and his layups were pretty good during the preseason. But this team, just that bit bigger and tougher to get an on-balance mid-range shot or a, uh, a layup that uh, where you've got to be strong. His finesse game against these big guys uh, wasn't quite there last night. Austin Rees, 4 of 11 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 7 from the 3 throws. Missed some un- uncharacteristic 3 throws there. 8 rebounds is handy for a guy of his size, 4 assists, but minus 14. He had 2 turnovers there, uh, 2 steals though to sort of even that out. Austin Rees, pesky enough in defence, as we said, each time he sort of got slighted by uh, being taken to the rack by uh, sort of uh, switches that he ended up mismatch on and then they took him to the rack. He would sort of come back the next player, the one after that, with some pesky defence or, you know, a steal or a, a three-pointer and uh, or a runaway dunk. So he's a, he's a, a feisty player and you've got to respect that or value that on the Lakers. But Austin Reeves... He uh, struggled in some ways last night. Minus 14, a bit like AD, despite having 14 points, where AD was minus 17, despite having 17 points. Uh, Rui Hachimura is one that I thought was disappointing. Despite everyone blaming Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura got a pay rise in the break. He only was able to be on for 15 minutes, 3 of 10 field goals, 0 of 3, despite his great shooting percentage in the playoffs. That uh, wasn't there last night and um, got, as we said, to one foot, two foot, three foot, but did not finish and might have been unlucky on a few of them, but they just rattled out. They looked like he shot on a little bit hard and maybe you do when you think you're going to get clipped by these bigger players on the opposition. You have to play through contact. Uh, Wood looked good in some ways. He got three or four on the field goals. He's 15 minutes there and he... Um, I think he played sensibly for, he didn't force his shots. Uh, he tried to get inside and be strong despite his uh, sleek uh, sort of trim size. And believe it or not, a plus two on his seven points. So Christian Wood, steady and a positive contributor for his 15 minutes. And as we said in the preseason, I'd like to see about 15 minutes perhaps be his go. But what we couldn't find was a share of that uh, other 15 minutes with Jackson Hayes. He was only on there for seven minutes. Zero, 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 zero. Did not see a spot where he could take a shot. And just the one rebound, one defensive rebound, uh, minus seven for Jackson Hayes. So we need to find a way, and he needs to find a way, that he fits into this game. We talked about uh, Cam Reddish, 18 minutes, two or four field goals, one or two from three, two or two from the three throws, so not getting to the line, attacking the basket as much as he perhaps could. But I think he was trying to settle in and not force the ball in the combinations he was in. And they were combinations where it was working slightly. Why ruin it? They made slight inroads and got the game back to sort of four points, three points in the times he was on the court. Four rebounds is handy. Uh, one block shot's handy, plus seven in the positives in the real plus minus. Four, Cam Reddish, and uh, funnily enough, seven points. Uh, we s- talked about Hayes. What about Gabe Vincent? Wasn't quite as effective in his first stint, found a little bit on his second stint on the court. Gabe Vincent, 22 minutes, three of eight, 
and um, got it one or two threes there in his second time on there. Well, it looked like threes. They were long shots, but looks like they've just been giving them as long twos on this score sheet. He's none for four, and uh, he's real plus minus, sadly, minus 17. So I don't think we're expecting that when we got excited about uh, hiring Gabe Vincent from the uh, Miami Heat, because uh, he was in the finals last year, a strong player against uh, that physicality of Denver, and we'd very much need that. And the gap between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers looks to have stayed the same, or dare I say it, got a little bit bigger. But we've got to get back together for the Phoenix Suns. Tell us what you think we should do for the Suns. Throw in your comments. Love to see them. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's also on YouTube. The Larry Lakers, Dreamling Chit Chat. Thanks to everyone who sent a question in there. D Dodds from Long Live Laguna. Uh, Ted O from Sacramento. I think we had Sean at Abbey Takeaway. D Styles at the nation's capital. Um, and I think it was Tim Hugs at Destination Anywhere. I think you can go there. Look them up on Facebook for your travel plans. So once again, I'm Tony for the Larry Lakers. Thanks for listening to the Dreamling Chat Chat. Have a quick look at the shorts and the YouTube. Until next game, all the best, travel safely and enjoy.